The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com. Empire. Want to join the esports party, but not exactly sure if you fit in? The 90% of people that play the games that watch esports, they know where to find the games. And, you know, but for everyone else, even if they knew how to, how to, where to find and how to keep up and track and follow these esports matches, uh, they still have to enjoy watching it. They still can't be completely confused by what's happening. They still can't feel overwhelmed. That's Matt Gunnan, founder and CEO of Esports One, where broadening the viewing experience is the hope to widen the ever-growing esports tent. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Matt Gunnan sold his first company as a teenager, so he's been innovating his entire life. He's a huge sports fan, as you're going to hear in our interview, and it dawned on him that those visual enhancements that make watching a football or a baseball game so inclusive, esports hadn't really implemented that yet. So he swapped out his gaming headset for the traditional sports hat to ask a big question. What would help those who didn't grow up playing watch? Our guest this week is Matt Gunnan, who is the founder and the CEO of Esports One, a first all-in-one fantasy esports platform with real-time predictive data. Hey, Matt, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Doing well, Bram. Thanks for having me. You know, I, I don't know how to start any conversation with anyone without asking just how's life right now. It's raining right now um, in Santa Monica, so that just adds you know another element to things. When you know the only thing we we the the best thing that we have here in LA is the weather. So, but other than that, we're hanging in there. Like it's, you know, it, you, you take every day kind of, uh, you know, step at a time and you kind of just, you know, you work through the, the ups and downs. But right now it's just, we're doing, we're hanging in there and we're, we're, uh, for being in an industry that kind of does pretty well when people are kind of stuck at home. It's, yeah. We're seeing growth on that end, but, but overall it's, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time for everyone. Well, we'll talk about um, the opportunity in a moment, but let's introduce everyone to Esports One first. Um, what do you guys do? Yeah, so we're, we've been in esports for about two and a half years. Started the company out of MIT and, uh, and uh, out of New York. We got started out in New York, moved to Boston, then uh, built the company from uh, uh, with a, a bunch of engineers out of MIT with, you know, I, and then we moved to LA about a year and a half ago, um, and have been in LA ever since. So at our core, we're we're a stats and data company within esports that wants to change the way fans watch and engage with, you know, professional gaming. And what we built, we built a you know we built a computer vision, machine learning powered platform that's capable of capturing you know and analyzing thousands of data points in real time. So you know you can think of it like in the sense of if you're Watching a football game, uh, you have that yellow first down line. That's you know very you know, instrumental in 
telling you what the objective of the team is. They're trying to get to the first down line to, you know, to get another, you know, set of downs. And, and eSports, we, when I started the company, I looked at eSports as, you know, not having that yellow first down line, essentially. We, you know, it was missing that sort of element of engagement that was, you know, necessary to make it more enjoyable for the entire spectrum of, of viewers. And so we built this, you know, engagement platforms layer that kind of, you know, provides just more information to viewers while they're watching. And then from there, we, we leveraged, you know, all this technology, all this data that we built. And earlier this year, we launched Esports One Fantasy. And so Esports One Fantasy is the first all-in-one fantasy esports platform. Uh, uh, and it provides users with, you know, weekly, daily, real-time fantasy experiences, similar to DraftKings, Yahoo, but it's taking kind of all of the different elements and bringing into one and making that just a kind of an all-in-one experience, essentially. Can you explain or be specific about that? I and Listen, my age will show here. I know sure. what fantasy sports is, obviously, with football, baseball, basketball, whatever, and what that means. Um, in the esports world, what does that look like? What is a what does a gaming situation look like in fantasy? Sure. So fantasy, you know, there's not a lot of differences when it comes to just you know the the general uh, construct of what fantasy is. You know, between uh, you know football and League of Legends, you're you know you're building a lineup of you know individual players. So you have you know you have a quarterback in football. You have a mid laner in you know uh in league of legends in you know football you have a wide receiver and league of legends you have a jungler and you have five different sort of positions in league of legends where you have you know you you build a lineup with in the same way that you kind of do it with in football and then you also pick a team um similar to picking a defense in football where we've started where we kind of take that you know take it one step further is we start to incorporate uh, you know, com- parts that are specific to the game, but also can be, you know, attributed in real time. So I guess, you know, I, I use a lot of analogies to traditional sports and, and, and specifically football. I'm a big football fan. Um, you can think of it like, all right, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a lineup and make a, I'm going to, you know, pick quarterback, wide receiver, a running back, a, a, a defense. And then during the games that my players are playing, uh, imagine, you know, you're also getting, you know, uh, kind of questions being asked you will, you know, will, if you have Tom Brady on your, uh, you know, on your lineup, is Tom Brady going to hand the ball off or is he going to throw it more likely he's going to throw it, you know, and just, you start to add these real time engagement, you know, level layers that as well as all these other people are starting to, you know, that you're competing with are also being presented. And so you can imagine not only is it, the passive experience of building a lineup. But yeah. once you start to then add in this real time experience, I think it's just like the, it, it adds a whole nother dynamic to that whole viewing experience of esports. Um, and I assume that there will be a money exchange at some point, maybe not now, but you're looking at it as a DraftKings fan duel model, correct? You're right. So we're, we, we're starting with building out our monetization is based around event. We're calling them event passes and uh, which will come later this year. Uh, and essentially it's, you know, it's, it's specific to various events, various leagues. Uh, monetization is something that we're, you know, it's, we're looking at closely and kind of 
you know, we're kind of figuring out what's going to work best within esports. Um, there's, if it was a one to one, you know, traditional to esports, you know, if, you know, their daily fantasy, you know, worked, you know, perfectly within esports, it would have already been done by now. Like it would have, they would, it would already be replicated and people would, you know, but, I think the esports industry, but I think the traditional daily fantasy experience isn't going to work in esports. Yeah. I think it has to be done a bit differently. Yes, money will will obviously you know will have to be a part of that equation, whether it's in the form of you know subscriptions, virtual currency, you know a virtual con- economy, or some sort of uh, you know uh, you know pay to, to play sort type leagues. We're still evaluating that, and we'll probably we'll start to implement the first phase of that a little bit later this year. Um, I don't want to get caught up on this guy. I actually want to go back to the innovation part. Of that stuff is fascinating. Um, but in terms of integrity, obviously, um, listen, these traditional sports have been around a long time. Um, there's a lot of people that monitor mm-hmm. what is happening in and out of this. This is still kind of new and nascent, at least from a fantasy and, and you know, frankly, betting type perspective. Um, what concern do you have about integrity if you were to offer things like this? So when and the integrity is such a good question because I, I worked so before I started esports one I was a, I was a executive VP at, at Unicorn which was a gambling company in uh, in esports real money gambling company at esports and but I've also been in esports for you know I think I'm going on twelve years now and so I've seen all the different facets of the space and seen the growth of it seen you know the the people that. You know, we're part of the, uh, the early days of, you know, of literally this was back when there were tournaments in basements and, you know, people were winning a thousand bucks and now they're winning $10 million in tournaments and seeing that growth. And so I've seen the, the growth and it just become more mature. And I think the biggest thing is it's become a more mature and, you know, uh, industry, but there are still a lot of, there are a lot of areas of, you know, not, not concerns. There's a lot of areas of growth still needed within esports you're right like traditional sports football you know they have they have player associations they have you know they they are more much more structured when it comes to you know the dynamics of of the nfl and the teams and the players and and you know and so there's and then they've kind of they've they've gone through that process they've kind of ran into these tribes and tribulations as they've grown as as you know a game or a sport Esports is still figuring those pieces out. And so integrity when it comes to just, you know, when a player, when you have a, these kids, they have their, you know, you have to think these kids are 18, 19 years old, you know, never left their parents' house before. They're, start, they're being thrown into a situation where they're, you know, they're now, you know, one of the best, you know, Call of Duty or League of Legends or, or Madden, you know, football players out there. And, you know, and people are kind of, you know, are are kind of twerk, you know, in in their ear, and and you're you, yeah, and so there's there's the opportunity for them to kind of, you know, sway outside the lines and start to, you know, maybe take a a five hundred dollar to throw the game or something, and that's been a, that's been an issue within the space, I think, but it's also the it's it the game publishers have really taken a stance of, uh, you know. Uh, if they if there's any signs of you know uh, negligence or, or you know taking it or throwing the game or anything, I mean you're banned for life. And so they've taken a hard stance. I think that's what it's going to take. Um, 
I feel that we're getting much better, but there's still, you know, every week, every month, you still hear of, of you know, of these issues that are popping up, whether it's through cheating, whether it's through throwing games, whether it's through, you know, some some form of working with, you know, some you know group of people, or, you know, in another country that are paying you to, you know, to, you know, yeah, to throw the, throw the games. And it's, it's, it's just a part of the growth of the industry. And I think it's only, it's just going to take time to, for it to, to improve. And it's going to be up to the game publishers to really kind of flush it out. And then for companies like ours, just be, pay close attention and not put ourselves in a position where, you know, we're making the news about it. We're just, we're working with the game publishers to, to you know, support the matches and support the, the part of the industry that is the most stable. And that's where, League League of Legends, for example, has they have franchises. They have a very structured environment. Uh, they have you know very clear rules. They have a players' association to an extent they've implemented. So right now, that is what we support. We support League of Legends, Riot Games, um, and as the industry grows, we'll start to expand that support. Um, let's go back to the innovation for a moment. I was really fascinated by that. Um, so you described it as, hey, football's, you know, got this yellow line that changed the way we viewed it by putting in to show people exactly where the first time marker was. Um, specifically, tell me about some of the innovations you're talking about um, for the games um, that has made it a more enjoyable viewing experience. Yeah, I mean, think, so you have you have the yellow first down line. You have um, you have these stats and. Uh, in baseball and football, whether it's you know, you know, slugging percentage is, is still pretty you know pretty young and a new you know statistic. You know, there's there's a, a hundred different sort of stats that have started to enter you know the various uh, industries or you know games that make it more you know help the entire audience, not just those that you know, are the hardcore analysts and, and, you know, data junkies, but, but help everyone better understand. I still don't know what a quarterback rating, like what, uh, why, like how it, how the math is. I know it's like 147.2 or so, some weird number. And, but I know that, that someone that has a higher quarterback rating than another quarterback, I know that that, that quarterback, you know, according to all the different stats that they've calculated is better to an extent, you know, for the most part, than this other quarterback. And it gives some sort of ranking. It gives some sort of, you know, if I'm looking, if I'm not able to watch every game that, you know, so-and-so plays, I uh, can at least look at these one or these different statistics and understand, all right, who is the better player, you know, for the most part. Um, you know, if I want if I want to know who the best, you know, uh, you know, kind of person that gets on bases in baseball, you know, I know I look at on-base percentage of these Esports has hasn't had those sort of stats as like they they being in our early industry and early you know uh, kind of you know kind of early to to building out sort of that framework of, of traditional sports they're, they're you know a lot of these stats have still haven't entered the the space and I think that's going to be one of the parts that's going to be very fun to watch is you know what is the on base what is the quarterback rating what is the slugging percentage you know, within esports. And that's one thing that we're doing at Esports One is we're 
we have all of these stats. We're, we're you know, we position ourselves as like a stats inc or a sports radar, you yeah. know, esque of esports. We've compiled as many data points as possible, as many statistics on the players and the teams as possible, and that's allowed us to start building out these these you know, more, you know, comprehensive data points that makes it so that, you know, ultimately it's, it's easier to understand for the broader audience. Yeah. I think that's what, that's where the innovation is going to really start to take strides is that, you know, right now it's 90 plus percent of people that watch esports play the games. You know, that's not the case in football. You know, you know, there's, you know, less than probably, you know, one one thousandth of a percent actually play football that actually watch football um and and that's because football is just over time it's just it's an you know it's an easy it's become a much more a much easier game to watch esports hasn't gotten to that point yet it's still you know you need to be able you need to play the game if you want to if you want to understand what's happening and where the innovation is going to come is making that more you know, more enjoyable for the broader audience and making it so that everyone feels confident in whether it's making a bet on a team, building a fantasy lineup, sitting there with their kid and, you know, instead of watching a baseball game and, you know, at, you know, Fenway Park, they're watching a League of Legends tournament at Riot Games, you know, studios together and they both understand what's happening. That's where, that's where it's going to be really exciting to see how how the industry unfolds that is interesting um the other part too is and, and what's very different about the dissemination of all of this is um football games have been on linear networks for a very long time you know where to find it you know what time of day it's at um finding these tournaments is still kind of wild west like there is espn has picked up some of this um, you know, you'd have to know what Twitch is to find that type of thing. And so when you're looking for this broader audience, as you think about, we're going to educate them, we're going to broaden this. It's not going to be as insular as it's been. We're going to try to bring in as big an audience as we can. Um, how do you go about not only doing that, but finding everybody and getting them to a place where they would congregate to watch it? Yeah. I mean, I've worked, so there's, we have, um, a couple of partners that we've worked with that you know so one area that you watch you know football games you watch baseball games is you go to a bar and you're you know you're sitting there having wings and you're watching you know all the, these football games in a in a uh you know bar setting with a bunch of buddies and whatnot um that they that has been attempted in esports to try to bring that same sort of to replicate what traditional sports has done when it comes to you know the the bar type feel and i believe me i wish i would love if they if it if i could go to you know uh, a dave and busters or whatnot and and yes sometimes they'll have an esports game on here and there but for the most part you know that it hasn't worked that replication hasn't worked what is starting what is starting to work is there's starting to be more you know online areas for people to uh you know start to watch games together and to kind of find you know, to kind of bring that same level of, uh, you know, enjoyment with, so one thing, Discord. So Discord is a big chat, you know, applications. It's, um, it's you know, for gamers. It's where hundreds of millions of different gamers kind of hang out and chat with one another. They've implemented this, you know, feature where you can, you know, view, watch an esports match or watch a, a stream or a YouTube video or a movie, and you can watch it with a group of friends. And it makes it so that 
you know, even if you're in different, you know, if you're, you know, spread out all over the world or spread out all over the States, it makes it so that you can watch a event together in like a, you know, in a group kind of environment and, you know, and get the most out of it, you know, with one another. We're not going to see, you know, we're, we're not going to see tomorrow on NBC or, you know, ABC, we're not going to see Sunday night league of legends. Like it's not, you know, it's, it's not coming anytime soon. Uh, esports lives online. It lives on Twitch. It lives on, you know, Facebook gaming. It lives on, you know, YouTube. And yeah, I agree. It, it can be very daunting to try to, um, try to keep up with when the next rainbow six tournament is or call of duty, you know, uh, you know, show matches. But there's more, there's becoming more ways for people to, once they find that game or that tournament or that event to watch, to enjoy it together. Yeah. The area that's kind of, that's being addressed by a couple of startups here and there. And, you know, you have the, you know, you have Pop Dog, you have Jukes, you have these different sort of uh, companies that are starting to try to address that exact, you know, you know, kind of opportunity or problem. Um, and I think it's, I think that's where another level of innovation is going to have to come from is kind of making it easier for the broader audience to keep up, watch esports. But again, it doesn't matter if the 90% of people that play the games that watch esports, they know where to find the games and, you know, but for everyone else, even if they knew how to, how to, where to find and how to keep up and track and follow these esports matches, uh, they still have to enjoy watching it. They still can't be completely confused by what's happening. They still can't feel overwhelmed. And so what esports in this industry have to do is look at it like, how can we, you know, make it so it's easier for the broader audience. If we put, if we put a league of legends tournament or an overwatch tournament in front of them, how can we make that experience as enjoyable and not overwhelming and, you know, as exciting as possible while also, you know, educating them on what's happening so that once they, you know, they're sitting there watching the next tournament that, that, you know, they don't, if it does pop up on NBC or ESPN next go around, that they don't quickly, you know, change the channel that they, they sit there for a bit because they've already kind of gone through that first threshold of, you know, watching the game. And it's, you know, it's the same as when you're a young kid and the first time you watch a football game, you know, you're sitting there with your dad, your dad's sitting there telling you what's, you know, I remember when I was young, my dad would, would you know, he, we would watch college football and, you know, he would be, I had no idea what was happening, but he would be telling me mm. these things about, you know, the quarterback, and the plays that they're running and what the, the rules are and why did they throw that yellow, you know, that yellow thing that just flew up in the air and why is the referee holding his hands up like that? And that was my experience of sitting there and being taught what's happening in football by my dad and, you know, now, now let's kind of take that same experience and apply it to esports. But instead of you know the dad explaining it to the son, think of it in the sense of all right. Now the son is sitting there playing the game <laughs> and playing in a big tournament, and the dad is watching it in his you know in his on his couch. Or you know there was a there was a big Fortnite tournament with a hundred different kids that were all playing for two three million dollars. And I can guarantee you 99% of the parents that were watching had no idea what was going on. So how do we, how do we first address that opportunity of making that, you know, that experience right there is easy to 
jump into as possible. Uh, when you can travel again, come to my house. My seven-year-old would love to talk to you because I'm trying to show him Redskins-Cowboys <laughs> games, and he's trying to show me Fortnite. So we, we could use your it, intervention, exactly. Matt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I'm a huge Cowboys fan. Uh, <laughs> well... Huge, yeah. I'm a huge Redskins fan, so we'll, we'll be on the other side of that. Maybe we can agree on some esports. Yeah, it's, it's uh, it's and I think that's it's exciting. Like that, that is one thing that I I I've kind of made these comparisons all along the way of you know of just yeah flipping that switch of the different you know of taking that experience as as growing up and you know now parents if we can if we can kind of make that that adoption for parents and and the kind of the older generation because they're wanting i mean their kids are everyone's playing fortnite everyone's playing call of duty everyone's playing or whatever it might be especially right now um more than ever so you know if we if we can and parents are paying for you know paying hundred dollars per hour for coaching to get their their kids better at fortnite but if a parent if, if my dad when i was growing up if he paid a hundred dollars an hour for bait for batting practice, you know, with a coach and he didn't know that, you know, he couldn't tell if I was getting better or not, he would stop paying for, for, you know, coaching. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be paying for it anymore. But imagine a parent nowadays paying a hundred dollars an hour for Fortnite coaching. Can they tell if the kid is actually getting any better or not? Or are they just kind of like, that is that sort of lever that's missing. That's that sort of kind of gray area that I think we have to make just make the overall kind of understanding of esports easier. Matt Gutton is the founder and the CEO at Esports One. Matt, that was fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us. On the next Future Sport Podcast, when you finally return to the gym, it may be a whole new world. So we're making smart equipment that knows the exerciser and, and helps them achieve their goals, as well as uh, a range of software products, uh, the most prominent being um, a mobile application for gyms. John Ford is the CEO of eGym as fitness is forced into its new future. That will do it for us this week. Remember, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.